you would please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. You will recall that at the end of chapter 27, the chief priests and Pharisees went to Pilate and said, we're afraid that his disciples might try to steal the body and then say that he rose from the dead because we remember while he was still alive, he said, after three days, I will rise again. And so Pilate told them, okay, make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they put a seal on it, posted a guard. Chapter 28, this is God's word. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. This report gets to the governor. We will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age." May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. The first, there's so much here, but the first thing 
is to please notice the angel said, do not be afraid. And when Jesus met with them, with the women, he said, do not be afraid. What about the guards? There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothes were white as snow. The guards, these are professional fighters. The guards were so afraid of him, that's of the angel, that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. Those who were seeking Jesus are told not to fear. Those who were trying to prevent the story of the resurrection, which was the truth, they have every reason to be afraid. Well, all things work together for good. No. God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are the called according to his purpose. If you are still God's enemy, you should be afraid. And everything isn't going to work out for your good. It's not going to be good at all. If you think this life is hard, try spending forever in the lake of fire. If you are seeking Jesus, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Even when life gets scary, even when circumstances are tough, even when things are startling, you don't have to be afraid. Because the Lord loves his children, and he will preserve you. But if you're saying, no, I want to be my own boss. I want to do my own thing. I want to have it in my way. Maybe I'll yield my life to God at some future point, but right now, I still have a lot of things I want to try. I have a lot of things I want to do. I, I just, I'm not ready to turn my life over to him. Then be afraid. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. the recent fires here in Wares Valley that took out hundreds of homes and burned thousands of acres. It was a fierce, fierce thing. And there were guys who were fighting, bravely fighting that fire, who thought that they might not make it home. They investigated several agencies working together to investigate the cause of the fire, including criminal division investigating to see if there was arson. They finally determined and announced that the cause of the fire was a downed power line. Ooh. You mean electricity started the fire? Yeah, it did. 
Well, I think we just need to do away with electricity. Our folks did fine here in the mountains for generations with no electricity whatsoever. And then that dang TVA came in here. They dammed up the rivers, made it stop, you know, flooding the city from time to time. And, uh, you know, kind of tried to control everything, but they're not just controlling that, they're controlling our lives. Now they're burning down the mountain. Really? I don't think most of us would vote to get rid of electricity. Are you afraid of electricity? Well, that depends on the meaning of the question. What's the context? I don't approach light switches going, because I know how a light switch works. I've installed some, I've replaced some, I've put in dimmer switches. But I know that you don't do that while the current is on. Why? Because you'd be an idiot not to fear electricity when it is pulsing through with enough current to fry you. So are you afraid of electricity or not? I am not afraid of electricity in the sense that I'm Oh no, how'd that, how'd that happen? How'd those lights come on? Okay, no. I don't understand everything about electricity. I don't understand nearly as much as Pastor Brian, who got his degree in electrical engineering from Georgia Tech. So you know. I don't know nearly as much about electricity as he does, but I know enough, on the one hand, to appreciate it, and desire it. As a matter of fact, I had a generator installed at my house so that if the local power company's power is disrupted to my house, we will still have power at my house. And you are all welcome to envy me. Just, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> You're not really to envy me and we would let you come up if it was an emergency for a while. But, but here's the thing. I don't fear God in the sense that I'm like, oh no, what's he going to do? But I definitely fear God in the sense that I do not want to displease him. And that is ultimately now born of love. Someone asked me when I was a teenager, is the reason you won't do that because you're afraid of your dad? I said, I'm not afraid my dad would hurt me. I'm afraid I'd hurt him. I don't want to do something that's going to disappoint my father because I love him and I respect him. So I want to please him. I had a wonderful father who taught me by the way he interacted how to trust my heavenly father and want to please him. Not because I'm afraid I'm going to get zapped with a bolt of electricity. If God wanted me dead, I'd been dead a long time ago. God wants me holy. He wants me to be like him. So those who came in search of Jesus, honestly, obediently, seeking him, they're told, don't be afraid. But as for those who were not seeking Jesus, 
who did not believe in Jesus. They have every reason to be trembling and immobilized. Jesus met the women as they were hurrying to do what God had spoken through the angel. They were obediently going to tell the good news. They weren't acting on the basis of some other impulse. The angel said, he's risen, go and tell his disciples. And so as they obeyed, they encountered the Lord. That is still the pattern today. Do you want to have a real encounter with the Lord? Then do what God's word says. As we obey him, God does things that are absolutely amazing. We've said many times that the miracles of Jesus are in the context of obedience. He always told them something to do. Have the people sit down in groups of 50 and 100. Go wash yourself in the pool. Take up your mat. Jesus gives people instructions, and as they endeavor to do what he says, boom, the power of God is manifest. Why? Is that because God can't work without us? No, it's because God has chosen to work through us. He doesn't need us. He wants us. For our benefit, not for his. He spoke the universe into being. It's not as... When I was in my first church, pastoring on Cape Cod, there were so many things we were trying to get done. I mean, it was starting basically from scratch. There'd been a church planter there who got a core group going, and then they called me as their first pastor. And, um, man, I mean, we needed a building. In order to have a building, you've got to have property. In order to get property, you've got to find some that you can afford. In order to be able to afford it, you've got to raise a bunch of money. I mean, it was just, there were so many things. My flow charts were just impressive. And as, as I would wrestle with these things, I would go down to the Chatham Lighthouse and look out over the beach at the ocean because it was a beautiful sight and it was a great place to meet with the Creator. And as I'm telling him about, we need this, Lord, and we need this, and we got to do this, and what are we going to do about that? God would speak to my heart many, many times because I need to be reminded of things. He'd say, look at that. Just look at all that. I did all of that with no help from you. I would say, yes, Lord, okay, okay, I got it, I got it. But if you could please do this now. God doesn't need us. God isn't saying, how in the world am I going to get this done? Jesus didn't say, y'all are going to have to build my church so the gates of hell cannot stand against it. He didn't say that. He said, 
I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. How's he going to do that? Well, he's going to use us. Because he needs us? No, because we're his children, and he wants to involve us in something that when it happens, we say, oh, wow, I'm so glad I got to see that. I'm so glad I got to just be a part of that. So, as the women hastened to obediently tell the good news, acting not on the basis of the fears that they still felt, but on the basis of the message that they had heard, they encountered Jesus. Jesus showed himself to the disciples, both the women and the men, in several settings, but Matthew tells us about one of these with the disciples. When he had told them to go to Galilee and meet him there on a mountain, and they did, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, even though Some still had doubts. Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey Everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus has not rescinded that commission. He hasn't said, okay, well, I think that's enough. I, you, don't need to, you don't need to worry about that anymore. We've got, we've got enough. Let's just, uh, let's just call it a day. Now we can just have clubs instead of churches. We, we can just have, you know, places where people get together and pay entertainers to make them feel better. And, uh, you know, because what really, what really matters now is just for you guys to be comfortable until I return. No. 2 Peter chapter 3 tells us that the reason the Lord has not returned yet is he's giving opportunity for more people to repent. Well, how are they going to hear? Paul writes in Romans. How are they going to hear unless somebody preaches the gospel? We need to tell them. Well, Pastor, I've never really felt called to preach. Okay, well, fine. You don't have to be a preacher. You just need to be a witness. Well, I'm, I'm really kind of shy. Really? Yeah, I, uh, you know, when I, I, I haven't really been able to order at a fast food place in ages because I, I pull up to the thing and I try to place my order and then I just clam up inside and I can't talk. And, and it's bad because I can't back up because there's vehicles behind me and I just have to kind of speed up and get out of there. Really? Okay. 
get some meds. You're not afraid to talk when it's about something you want. You can place an order in a fast food line, then you can tell people what you know to be true about Jesus if you want to obey him. But if you want a quarter pounder more than you want to obey him, something's wrong with you. Is that clear? Well, you know, I hadn't really thought of it that way. Well, then I'm glad I could help. We make this so complicated. I haven't even seen the whole thing, but I saw a little bit of Alistair Begg the other day. Somebody sent it to me. Actually, three people sent it to me. I think they thought I'd like it. I'm still hoping to watch it, but I do stay fairly busy. But Alistair Begg was talking about the thief on the cross having to explain himself in heaven. The angels are saying, how'd you get here? And he's saying, "Uh, the man on the cross next to mine said I could come. Well, you know, our our records show that you uh, lived a really horrible life. Well, yeah, I did. I absolutely did. It's true. And you never got baptized? No, no, I, I didn't. Well, do you understand about the substitutionary atonement? The what? Okay, well, let's, let's back it up. Let, do, you, do you have a solid doctrine of Scripture? You understand biblical authority? I don't know what you're talking about. Well, then how did you get in here? Uh, I told you, the, the man on the cross next to me, uh, he said I could come. I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of what Alistair says. I'll tell you this. Nobody gets into heaven because they mastered all the intricacies of biblical theology. The devil knows it's true. He could teach the stuff if he weren't such a liar. We're not saved by what we know. That's Gnosticism. We're saved by Jesus. Where's your trust? Where's your trust? Well, we're not supposed to just present the gospel. We're supposed to disciple these people. I'm so glad you know that. But you're never going to disciple people if you're not willing to share the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? 1 Corinthians 15. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. That's what you believed. It is that truth by which you are saved. Start with that. Tell them that Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. Start there. Start there. You can do that. And those who believe need to be baptized. What's baptism? Well, this is going to be controversial. Not everybody's going to agree with this. But I'll just tell you what is true. (laughs) Baptism is a picture of what Jesus did for us. It's a picture of the gospel. 
We are buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Folks were being baptized like that before Jesus died. The Jews knew what baptism was, and I encourage you, if you have a chance, go to Israel and find out what a mikvah is. Or you can just look it up, or you can ask me, or you can ask somebody else who's been. It's a pool of water. What do you need a pool for? Why don't we just get a little basin? Because a basin's not big enough to be immersed in, and that's what the word baptism means. And even folks like John Calvin said so. Well, that's not the way that we did it uh, in my church when I was growing up. I know that. I bet there were some other things they did in your church that you're not really enamored with. But even if you are enamored with them, the question is, what's biblical? What does the Bible say? Go ask the folks at the Greek Orthodox Church what the word baptism means. Because they dunk babies. They do. They make sure to get them all the way under the water. If you convert to Judaism, you've got to be immersed in the water. And they've got to make sure that you're completely immersed. Because otherwise it's not baptism. Really, pastor, are you saying that, that it's our baptism that saves us? I'm saying no, baptism is a picture of what saves you. Just like Jesus at the Passover, right before he was betrayed, said to his disciples as he broke the bread, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He wasn't saying that the matzah had just turned into his physical body. He was saying, guys, do you understand what this picture is? This is a picture of my body. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. There's blood in the cup? No, it's a picture of his blood. Why? Because the whole Passover, from the day it first happened in Egypt, was a picture of God saving his people through the death of the Lamb, who is the Son of God. So, Jesus says we're to go out and make disciples. That starts with presenting the gospel. Then they're to be baptized. And then they're to be taught. Taught to obey all that God has commanded. King James' word is observe. Well, you know, that's Old English. Yes, it is, but it has a notation that we could in modern times misunderstand. I actually had a college-educated fellow explaining to me that he was so relieved to find out that the word observe, all that I've commanded, doesn't mean you have to obey it. It just means you have to keep it in mind. I was thrilled to learn that because I've used that every time I've been stopped by the police since. If, if they say, you were not observing the speed limit, I'd say, yes, it said 45. And they say, oh, well, okay, go ahead. 
No, I've never said that to a police officer because I'm not an idiot. Okay? To observe the speed limit means to obey the speed limit. But it also reflects the origin of the word that it translates, which means not only to obey it, but to keep your eye on it. Remember it. Preserve it. All those are in the original word that King James rightly translated observe, but we have to put obey in modern times because we have people who are trying to find a way around obedience. Teaching them to obediently observe everything I've commanded you. Do you notice all the References to all. All authority has been given to me. You're to go to all nations and you're to teach them all that I've commanded you. That's not all. That's not all the all. Y'all. He says, and I'll be with you some of the time. And I'll be with you for a while. No, he says, I will be with you always. Wherever you go in this world, wherever you are seeking to spread the good news, I'll be there with you. You're not on your own. I'm not just sending you out, and then you come back and tell me how did it go. I will be with you always. Even to the very end of the age. Hallelujah. The reason that we are to go out and share the good news, the reason is first and foremost because our Lord said so. It's not about what you feel. Well, I've never felt called. Okay? Well, I don't always, I'll tell you the truth. I did not feel like getting up this morning. I didn't. Suppose I was still at my house saying, you know, I know they were expecting me to come down there and teach this morning, but I just didn't feel like it. If I ever get to that point, I shouldn't come down here and teach. But they need to get somebody else who isn't living on the basis of their feelings. You and I can't just do what we feel like or we're going to do a lot of stuff we shouldn't do and we're going to fail to do a lot of stuff we should do. It's not about how we feel. It's about what does he say. So the first and foremost reason why we're to go and do this and spread the word that he is alive and that he is Lord is because he said so. And that's enough. But I'll tell you some other good reasons. There are people headed for hell who've never heard. And if the Spirit of God lives in you, you're going to care about that. And the reason is because he does. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. So how in the world can we know that people need Jesus and just not care? When our oldest Ukrainian adoptee came to know Jesus at age 13, he would cry himself to sleep at night. My wife wondered, why is he crying? They'd say, I need to go back to Ukraine. Finally, she was so concerned about this, she said, Stephen, we love you and we've tried very hard to make you feel at home in our family. And it kind of hurts for you to be saying you want to go back to Ukraine. And he sat up in bed and he said, you are my family. You will always be my family. But they are going to hell. I must go tell them. Now the people he was talking about had not been nice to him. That's how he ended up being adopted. And when he finally got to go at age 18 with his older brother Andrew, the youngest of our non-adopted children, And he shared the gospel with his father and with his grandmother and with the neighbors. And then they took an eight-hour train ride down to Odessa, where his mother was in prison for murder. After years of abusing lots of people besides her own children. It was hard for him to explain to her who he was because he didn't look anything like the little kid that she had mistreated and abandoned. But he showed her photographs of himself growing up, starting with when he was there as a child. And when she finally realized who he was, she said, why would you care about me after everything I've done? And he said, because Jesus Christ has changed my life and he can change yours. You see, when he changes your life, you care about others, even people who've done you wrong. You don't have to trust them, but you can at least pray for them. And he had spent years praying with us day after day and night after night, that God would save his mother and his father and his grandmother and his neighbors. Does the Spirit of God live in you? If you know what he's done for you, and he's living in you, you will care about other people who don't know him. Father, thank you for caring for us when we were your enemies. When we did not love you, when we were not good people, 
when we were dead in trespasses and sins, you loved us. And you didn't leave us like that. You didn't say, it's okay, I don't mind. You came and you bore the wrath that we deserved so that we could have eternal life with you forever. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Help us to truly repent and believe the gospel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.